the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here we go. It's a Tuesday. And I'm just yawning my head off over here. And I slept good last night. There was no problem whatsoever. I didn't yet last night. You didn't? Why not? I don't know. Because you knew you were going to have to drive a car, a stick shift, and you hadn't driven one in a long time? That could have something to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) White knuckle on it. I came into the parking lot today, and and Lato Simone was sitting there, and she was in a different car than she normally is, and, and then she told me the story about how their transmission went out because wherever they you won't say who you got your oil at <laughs> she had an oil uh change and they screwed up their transmission pulled the transmission yeah they put oil in your transmission oh, no right? they just pulled the transmission and then they and drained it oh okay so they drained it out okay drained it out after never being drained the whole two hundred thousand miles okay so now you got all kinds of stuff floating around right. in it, and it won't work right correctly yeah. Yeah, that's it's going uh, knock 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 knock. That's knock, not knock. good. No. That's not good in there. So they're they they can't drive their other car. So she's driving uh Eric's car. Yeah. <laughs> and Eric's car is one of those cars that you know us guys like to drive. That, it's a beater. Yeah, that's what it is. Just a beater and uh, it's got a is it a four speed? It's five speed. Oh, five speed. So it's got overdrive. Yeah. Okay, so it's got a five speed uh, transmission. Uh, the shocks are shot, <laughs> and uh, you know you got uh, you got the struts are shot. So it was you, you were like feeling the road this morning. Yes, I'm very in tune <laughs> with our infrastructure. <laughs> you found every pothole, and then you found out it wasn't really a pothole. It was nothing more but a couple of pebbles a on the road. <laughs> so anyway, she came in, and I'm telling you, she it took her a few moments to like pull her hands off the steering wheel. Yes. Have, have you ever seen that uh, that movie with uh, Steve Martin and John Candy, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Heidi? Remember that scene where they got go between the trucks? And then it, it shows... <laughs> it, it show, I think it's Steve Martin that's driving. And uh, they, they turn to skeletons as they're going through because they're f- totally flipped out by what happened. And Steve Martin, it takes, it takes him about... About a minute to unhook his hands from the steering wheel. That's what I felt like. <laughs> Last time I felt that way was when I was in labor. I, lo- <laughs> I love that. I love that movie. That's such a great movie. I haven't seen that in years. Yeah, we show that every once in a while. It's a classic movie. It's just so much fun to watch. and uh, it, It's one of John, John Candy's be- best movies. Now, John Candy's... Now, I'll argue this with anybody who wants to argue with me, but I think his best movie was Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. I love Uncle Buck. 
I like a lot of his movies he was in. Um, they're all dad movies to me because yeah. I watched them all with my dad. Right. So that and Benny Hill. Yeah, uh, he's oh Benny Hill. <laughs> good yeah. grief! Well, that's some that's, Well, that's that's just good comedy. Yeah, that's all that that's is. Great comedy. All right, let's start it off by giving you some interesting information here. Rasmussen came out with a, a poll and asked voters who agree that the Trump raid is what happens in third world countries, and here is how it all broke down. Overall, everybody, 55%, thought this raid that happened just over, what, almost two weeks ago now, uh, 55% of the people think that third world countries is where you see this kind of stuff. Men, 60%. Women, 51%. 18 to 39-year-olds, 58%. Wow. 40 to 64 year-olds, 58%. 65 plus, 50%. If you're white, 54%. If you're black, 51%. If you're Hispanic, and this should throw a real scare into the Democrats, 62%. Yeah, because they know what they're talking about. All right. Republicans, 79%. Democrats, 38% and independents, 50%. So that's how that all breaks out. Voters who agree that the Trump rate is what happens in third world countries. So um, every one of this breaks down to 50% or higher. That's huge. Yeah, especially with independents and Hispanics. Yeah, oh, yeah, 62%. And you're right. Uh, we're not just talking about uh, Hispanics from Central America. We're talking about Hispanics from Venezuela, Cuba, and, and, and Cuba, and uh, you know Colombia, places like that. Places where they live under socialism. Right. That's why. They or left. saw it really take a bite, you know, like in Venezuela. So uh, a lot of a lot of interesting material there, and so. Uh, Keep that in mind. Somebody uh, in the in the in the opinion part, where people write in and say what they think, you know, said the the red wave cometh, <laughs> and I and I post it. I post it. Not wave tsunami. Tsunami. There is a tsunami approaching the shore. I don't trust it till it gets here. Well, and I I agree with that, but um, if if history is any harbinger. Uh, we are going to see a major change uh, happen in November, and then uh, it will take place in uh, January. Now, let me warn you about something, because you're seeing some of this happening right now. The Democrats in Congress are pushing a lot of stuff right now because they know they don't have much time left. Right. They understand that. They understand that, uh, you know, some of the things that they wanted to do, that uh, if they want to do it, they better do it now. Well, if it happens as they think it's going to happen, if you think they've got their foot to the metal right now, the pedal to the metal, wait to after November and they've got, you know, like a month and a half to get as much done as they possibly can get done, they will be really Pushing through bills like Save America Act. Yeah. Well, and every other nice name. We might have something. Of. You know, maybe next Tuesday, maybe we can do a, a show 
where, you know, name a new Democrat bill that you expect to see. And what will its name be? All right. <laughs> be a good game. Because, well, yeah, whatever, whatever the bill will say it is, it, it will do just the opposite. Yes. So that's something that we, we could talk. That'd be a good game to play. <laughs> That'd be a fun one to do on the air. We might try that next week. Would you be up for that? I'll be up for that. Okay, we can try to do that. That, that would I think that that would work without any problem. I uh, I got up or I get up early. All right, three forty-five. And start and start watching, watching uh, some of the TV to see what's the big news cycle looking f- like right now. Of course, these stories still uh, leading news. Uh, it was uh, what was it? Early Fox and Friends, and then Fox and Friends because I I watched about the first five minutes of that before I get in my car, and then I I put it on. Uh, uh, the radio and listen right. to it as I come in, and uh, you know this whole thing about Trump is still front and center, and about getting all the paperwork out so that we know what's going on. Mayor Garland doesn't want to let all that paperwork out because he really doesn't want you to know what's going what's going on or what, what really has for. happened. You know, so <laughs> because if you did know, you'd be you know you'd be saying what you know, why. Yeah, because that, that's what will be going on. A uh, couple of things uh, today, and I think Thursday you'll want to watch today. Uh, we will see uh, Liz Cheney uh, hanging from the Tree of Liberty in uh, in Wyoming. That that will happen today. Today is their, their day to go to the polls and vote whether she gets the, the nod to run for the Republican Party or not. Can I say not? Uh, that's not going to happen. And then uh, I think it's in it's on Thursday that uh, Mikowski <laughs> is up again in Alaska, and it's time for her to go. I'm just saying yeah. it's been time for her to go for a while. So I I think she's up like against twelve other people. There's a bunch of people. So Plenty of people to take her place. I don't know if it's going to be. Two, the top two vote getters or the top three? It'll be one or the other of those. And then uh, the other race that's on there is that they had a congressman just pass away not too long ago. And you know who's running for that position, right? Who's that? Who, who, what, who's the famous Republican from uh, Alaska? Oh, I Sarah, Sarah Palin, yeah, right. Yeah, I was, she's I thought for, she was running for something. She's running for Congress. Good. So we'll have to see if uh, how she fares. I think like there's. I think she has in. one other person uh, running for that position, and there's a, one Democrat running for that uh, that position. So I think she has a good shot that we'll see her yep. over in in the House here in the near in the near future again. Sixteen after six. Let's get our first break in. We got to do that. We got a lot of things to talk about. Here. Here in the first hour, we got the Bible guys in the second hour. We've got special guests in the third hour. We're going to talk about uh, how uh, inflation is impacting uh, uh, minority communities in uh, the 9 o'clock hour, 9 to 9.30, in fact. And then 9.35 until 10 o'clock, uh, we'll, we're going to go back and, and tear apart that uh, Schumann Mansion bill. Uh, <laughs> Uh, now, so that we can talk about what's there. Just know, eighty thousand plus IRS agents are in, included in in that piece of legislation. Saving America from inflation. Yes, yes. <laughs> that even the and the president says inflation. We don't have no stinking inflation. Right. You know, he said it was zero. No, 
again, as I always say, figures don't lie, but liars figure. So uh, we'll come back and talk about that, too. I want to talk to you about East End Towing and what they can do for you. Uh, East End Towing uh, knows the rules. Uh, these are guys that, uh, you know, really have all of their trucks uh, licensed and insured. Uh, they're uh, part of the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. All of their trucks are permitted. They know everything about what you need to do on private and on public lands. Uh, they can talk to you about, you know, how to make sure you don't end up in the impound lot, things of that nature. So uh, you give them a call. 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. That's East End Towing. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, let's talk a little bit here about uh, what's going on in the country. Get you caught up, get to the get to work, and you won't feel like that you're totally out of connect with everybody else. Uh, WNBA star Brittany Griner. If you remember, she's one of those who spoke against the United States all right. the time. You know, flag doesn't stand for freedom, all those kind of things. Well, now she's, you know, changing her tune. I bet she she's is. She's over there in a Russian jail, and it makes you think a little bit different, like, ooh, I wish I was home again. Um, anyway, she's appealing her conviction. If you did, if you hadn't heard, uh, the judge gave her nine and a half years. Yeah. Uh, over there, and and that's about right uh, for what she got busted for. Uh, she she had drugs on her. Yeah. Let me tell you what. You know they they'll cut you slack in this country on drugs. A lot of other countries they don't cut you any slack about drugs. Well, have you seen the locked up abroad shows? <laughs> you know, I <laughs> There's mean, no slack. Have you ever? Did you see that movie Midnight Express? You remember that yeah, movie? Yeah. I mean, that's a true story. By a guy got. You know, busted in Turkey. Yeah. Not fun at all. It's a great movie. Maybe I should show that again for us. That is a good movie. You know? I haven't seen that. I think that had the music of Tangerine Dream. I think that they were the ones that did the music for that. It was a great movie. But anyway, let's run over this. The legal team is appealing a drug conviction in Russia. Talks are reportedly heating up over uh, a potential prisoner swap between Griner and uh, another Russian imprisoned American for a notorious Russian terrorist. Griner uh, this month was sentenced to nine and a half years behind bars for bringing cannabis-infused uh, vape cartridges into Russia. She admitted to the crime but said she did not deliberately break the law. <laughs> Stop. Stop right there. You know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna throw yourself on the mercy of the court, throw yourself on the mercy right. of the court. Say, don't say, yeah, I throw myself on the mercy of the court. But understand, you know, I knew I was doing wrong, but With I went caveats. ahead and did it. Yeah, <laughs> I still went ahead and did it. Uh, telling the court, I was in a rush packing, and the cartridges accidentally ended up in my bags. Uh, the diplomat confirmed that Russian Viktor Boot, described by the U.S. as one of the world's most prolific arms dealers, is a candidate for the prisoner swap with Griner and Paul Waislin, a former U.S. Marine convicted in uh, Moscow of espionage charges, which Waislin denies. Uh, the New York Times reporting Ms. Griner's legal team has said 
that the legal avenues must be exhausted before a potential exchange can be discussed. But over the weekend, Alexander Darchiv, a high-ranking Russian diplomat, said that political negotiations with the U.S. was already underway, including discussion of Russians held by the United States whose release Moscow seeks in order to secure Mrs. Greiner's freedom. So well, at least not if, she, if, if they do do this, she better come back when she comes back and walks across into this country, kiss the ground. And waving a flag. You better believe it. Absolutely. Maybe. Well, that Marine should, be getting more, should have gotten more attention. I mean, usually what it takes, it takes, somebody, it takes something like that for somebody who really hasn't been out of the country into any country that's almost authoritarian. Uh, when you get over in a country like that, and uh, you're sitting down and you're just having a you know uh, a drink or sitting and having uh, lunch with somebody, and you notice everybody's kind of staring at you because they know that you're a Westerner or whatever, you start figuring out that it's a lot better to be in America. Right. I mean, people just people who've never been out of this country. I'm just Simone, have you been out of the country? No. All right, you would you freak you freak out even if you're going to Europe. Well, even immi- that's why you see immigrants and people who immigrate here legally. They love. They have such a love and deep respect for this country. I mean, they you know they're more patriotic than the average Joe. Yeah, than most of them. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's just like I was talking to uh, somebody I work with here at the at the uh, station, and his son uh, went on uh, a missionary trip, and he was over in another part of the world. And I want to just say, you who are young and you think you've seen poverty, you've not seen poverty. I'm just telling you, you have never really seen poverty until you get out of the country and go to a country where they have nothing, where they, they don't have uh, you know, a house that's got a cement floor. It's dirt. It's just beat-down dirt. We have right? TV shows about my 1,000-pound best friend. Yeah. I mean, you don't have 1,000-pound, you know, yeah. poor people. And when people are poor in other countries, they're poor. They're not yeah. overweight and... Yeah, well, they're ab- they have abject poverty. Abject poverty. I mean, seriously. I mean, I've seen. I've been to countries with kids with the bloated stomachs that you see on yeah. television and stuff. I've seen all that. I've seen it up close. I've walked in villages where it stinks because they got sewage running right. down the side of the of the streets. Well, they they have the sewage is going to a, spe- a spe- specific area, but they they dig Travels. gutters. With a, with a shovel or a hole or something, and then pitch it so that all that stuff runs a, a specific way. Now, if it rains hard, all bets are off at that point. All bets it's are like off. Medieval times. Yeah, I'd like you know. I think everybody should have to go to those countries and see them up close and personal, just so you'll understand that when you were born in the United States of America, you won the lotto. Right. I'm well, just telling you, you won the lotto. And even if you're poor, you're in the United States, you're living like a king and a queen versus what those folks are living in. Well, people think they're poor if they have only one TV or one car. Or have, don't have a, a microwave that right. works. 
you know, they need to have a microwave. But anyway, I'm just saying, um, it's just something that a lot of people uh, do not consider, and they they just need to get out of this country and see it. That's what Eric always says, is when people ask him how he's doing, I I woke up in the greatest country on the planet. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell people, I I woke up and I'm more blessed than I ever should be. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I, I understand I'm lucky that I was born here and not in Nairobi, Africa or something, okay, or some of those other countries that are over there in, in the African con, uh, uh, continent. That, that's and just crazy stuff. And then from your own decisions sometimes, yeah. from, you know, your own lifestyle or my own lifestyle decisions and different things that could have killed me at a young age before I knew what uh, permanent meant. Yeah, I'm just saying. A lot yeah, of people, we are blessed. A lot of people don't uh, take a moment to think about it because Reflection. you've never seen it. You've never lived it over there as far as that. And look, I lived through the 60s. I lived through the civil rights movement with Dr. King and stuff. And for you who scream and holler and rant and rave and say it's terrible here, no, it's not. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll get some news for you, and then we'll be back with more on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Simone's here. And uh, we're sitting here having a, a discussion this morning. Uh, I went over the uh, Rasmussen poll about what people think about uh, the break-in at the uh, president's house down in Florida. And uh, 50% or higher were against it. Nobody, nobody thought it thought it was a good thing by any stretch of you the imagination. You can't look at this and, and think it's uh, any way uh, warranted. No, no. I mean, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, if you're being honest with yourself, you can't help but even be frightened about, over it. Are you ready for this one? All right. So much for white privilege. Here's a story from ABC. An agreement that was struck between a Minneapolis teachers union and the Minneapolis public schools now compels the district in the case of any layoffs to get rid of white teachers before any teachers of color. Uh, the uh, stipulation comes as part of a recent collective bargaining agreement between the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers, uh, which ended a two-week-long teacher strike. Among numerous provisions that were agreed upon between the two groups was a restructuring of the district's recruiting and retainment of educators of color. Effective in the spring of next year, teachers will be subject to job layoffs or relocations in order of seniority. And then reported from Fox News, according to the agreement, the purpose of the policies is to solve for past discrimination by the district, which the agreement said disproportionately impacted the hiring of underrepresented teachers in the district as compared to the relevant uh, labor market and the community and uh, resulted in a lack of diversity of teachers. I'm going to tell you, this won't meet constitutional no. muster. And didn't they say that it was irrelevant whether the white teachers had seniority or not? They were still getting booted. Well, not yeah. yeah if they if they had more seniority than than a teacher of color, they went first. Right. If they if 
when you sat down and looked at all of their uh, meetings that they had about how good they were doing their job, even if their uh, merits of of that teacher were better than a teacher of color, the the white teacher goes. Now, somebody, like please tell me, please, would you please tell me if if you're one of the folks that thinks that America is racist, where is the racism at? Is it in the white community or is it in the black community? I got, I, I got to ask, that, got, yeah, I got to ask that question here. Yeah. You know, I I worked in Minneapolis for a while, uh, a short while. I wasn't there very long. Uh, another company bought the station I was at. And I, I was uh, I was moved out because they were supposed to. The person who took over, the reason that CBS sold their stations was to make them profitable. Well, the way they made them profitable is they <laughs> they sold it to anybody that uh, you know was making any money at the radio station. They got rid of everybody. So anyway, uh, I was only there for about three and a half months, and I'll never forget going up there because. I hadn't been up into the northern plain states in a long time. And I was expecting, you know, uh, kind of those uh, visions of Little House on the Prairie <laughs> where the people believed in uh, uh, individual hard work and, and things right. of that nature. It was anything but that. It was the most socialist area I had ever walked into. Entitled. Well, let me just tell you, uh, I they didn't like me, and I didn't particularly like <laughs> them. And we had some just knockdown, drag out arguments on the air. I can imagine. It was it was crazy. It was really crazy. And that's when a lot of my you know still my libertarian stuff was there, and. Uh, you know what a libertarian feels about, you know, merit, all right? You 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 get you move up by merit. You don't move up because your skin, you know, color has your has more melatonin in it than right. somebody else or, or or not. So anyway, this is going to be interesting. This going to have this going to have to be taken care of. Uh, because uh, and and this going to end up in the Supreme Court. I do believe that. I'd hope so. Uh, yeah, it should. I don't see why it can't can't happen and why it shouldn't happen. All right, so China is conducting more drills around Taiwan. I'll tell you more about that, but first I want to talk about David Lucas uh, Financial and what he's doing. He's teaching you everything, all the ins and outs that you need to know about silver and gold. You know, with silver and gold, uh, it's different than buying stocks and bonds. I mean, uh, I'll just give you one one decision you got to make. Do you actually want uh, the silver and gold, you know, in your hand so you can put it in a safe or something? Or do you want certificates that say it's good for X amount of ounces of gold or, or silver? Me, I want the metal in my hand, okay, and I want it in my safe. So, you know, I don't know. I get. It. I don't even know if they make cougarans anymore or not. <laughs> Give me some cougarans or something like that, and, and we can go from there. But there's a lot of places they don't give you the actual gold. They say, here, we've got this, uh, we have this uh, certificate, and it's worth this much gold. 
I don't know if I trust anybody that much, just to be honest. So, uh, But millions of Americans now, because of inflation, are investing in silver and gold. you got to make decisions like that. So, uh, you know, you want to make sure you're making the right one. And that's where David Lucas Financial comes in, in North Little Rock. Uh, they will help you. Uh, make good decisions about your assets, your IRA, your 401k, those type of things to make sure that you don't lose your shirt during this inflationary time. Call them at 501-222-3315. Now, they work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, so you get direct prices from a dealer you can trust, and uh, they can teach you all the ins and outs about that. But just call them, 501 222 3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. You're going to love this now. You're going to like this one, Simona. Are you ready for this? I don't, I don't tell Simona what, what I'm going to bring up to her because <laughs> I, I want to get an, just a, a, a really just a, a feel for where she's at on this stuff. <laughs> Okay, this from the Daily Wire. Ford and General Motors unveiled price increases for their electric vehicle lineups as the Inflation Reduction Act, which includes electric vehicle tax credits, is slated to become law. The uh, price hikes are comparable to the $7,500 of of tax credits for new electric vehicles included in the $740 billion Inflation Reduction Act, which currently awaits President Joe Biden's signature. The legislation earmarks a total of $369 billion to combat the existential crisis of climate change, according to remarks from Biden. And uh, Ford (laughs) says that they are adjusting the MSRP on the uh, 7150 Lightning for the first time since it was revealed in May of 21 and has honored MSRP for all customer orders to date. Due to significant material cost increases and other factors, the Ford has adjusted their uh, MSRP, starting with the opening of the next wave of the F-150 Lightning orders. Do you know what a fully loaded F-150 is going to run? More than I can afford. Ninety-eight grand. Jeez. Ninety-eight grand. I, I had seen that on the news last week that they were going to raise it, but the reason that they are raising it and not having any problem with it, thinking it won't hurt sales, is because they know that in this piece of legislation, uh, the buyers are going to get a seventy-five hundred dollars tax credit. So they're going to get the credit, basically. That's exactly yeah, right. So yeah, the money would go to Ford or to. Uh, you know, to uh, GM. That's helping the little guy out. Well, we, we've seen this play out here in the state. We were talking about it during the break, and and that was when we passed the uh, the legislation for the lottery. Uh, I don't know if everybody remembers this or not, but all of the state universities raised their tuition to match the money for the scholarships that kids could get from the lottery. Leave no penny unturned. That's well, no, yeah. yeah. I'm just telling you, government in whatever shape or form will take the pennies off of your dead parents' eyes. Yeah. Now, if you, you want, where did that come from? Well, 
if you read something like, you know, the Christmas story or something like that, they, when people died, uh, you know, they do it a little better in movies now. When people yeah. die, they die with their eyes open, all right? And uh, then you reach over and you close their eyes, and they used to put pennies. Right. On on their eyes to keep their eyelids. I was supposed down. to pay the pay the trip to the other world too, and some and some. Oh, and, and yeah, in, in ancient cultures like yeah. the Greeks and the Romans and stuff, across the river Styx. Yes, get you across the river Styx until Styx showed up in Chicago <laughs> and had a couple of big hits. Until, Come yeah. sail away with then me. Then it was over. All right. So anyway, just so you know, they're going to raise the rates because you're going to get a tax credit. So they're going to absorb all of that from the government. It's mighty nice of them. Yeah, it it is. It's good of them that they do that. All right. Last thing. This one really blew my mind today. Really, really did. Seriously. Uh, A video went viral and backlash has ensued. Uh, an April video posted to the Boston Children's Hospital YouTube channel features attending physician Francis Grimstad, M.D., Division of Gynecology, detailing what she described as a gender-affirming hysterectomy, which the hospital is evidently open to performing on minors. Oh, my God. Uh from the Federalist New, uh, magazine just this week, uh, Boston uh, Children's uh, Hospital scrubbed a video titled, What Happens During a Gender-Affirming Hysterectomy? After facing backlash for promoting the uh, surgery for minors who can't consent and do not have the mental capacity to make such a life-altering decision. Think about that for a moment. They're going to perform a hysterectomy on a, a, a little girl because she supposedly identifies as a little boy? you got to be kidding me. How many tomboys out there would have had hysterectomies at this point? Uh, this is crazy stuff. This is just... Uh, We've got we've got a sick society. We do have a sick society, and that's when the decay of society usually falls. Is when societies fall is when it becomes corrupt and, and sick like this. Here's what's crazy. A, um, a video, this video from Boston Children's Hospital, features a doctor describing hysterectomies as a form of gender-affirming treatment while smiling as upbeat music plays in the background. Uh, Charlie Kirk says, who you can hear here on uh, The Answer in the Afternoons, uh, so this is the Boston Children's Hospital who's now proclaiming and bragging that they have become the nation's first pediatric trans surgery center. This is irreversible. Yeah. This is irreversible damage that is being done to a generation of young young people that will never be able to undo this. Talk about population control. That's it's just I mean that's sick. This is a, so yeah. many things I could say about this. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Why haven't I heard anything from the LGBTQ AI plus 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 folks about this? X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I just, I just don't understand how they can get behind this. How well, do you get behind this for a kid? A kid? It's irreversible. Yeah, that's that's just the big thing. Is you're taking all those parts out. You can't put them back in. No. 
No. At least they can't right now. No. And maybe someday down in the future they'll be able to do that, but they can't do it right now. And that's and it's the parent making the decision. They're the ones that have to give it's the okay. Abuse. I would think it is. Uh, in most courts, I would think that that could be uh, dis- discussed as child abuse. But to to actually be in a to have a children's hospital be like right here in our children's hospital. To have them say, hey, man, isn't this cool? This is gender-affirming what we're doing. Uh, we're the first pediatric trans surgery center. We're on the cutting if, edge. If any of you are, yeah, no pun intended, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if you're over at Children's Hospital and you're thinking about this stuff, stop thinking about it right. now. All right? Stop thinking about it right now. This is something does not need to happen. In any way, shape, or form. Just the fact that it's already happening and it's available. Just because Johnny might say, yeah, I I need a Barbie to go along with my G.I. Joe doesn't mean he's identifying as a girl. No. You know, that's that's not happening. A lot of times with little boys, they like Barbies for other reasons. Well, I agree. (laughs) You know, you got to settle with what you can get. Yeah. I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's just, there's something wrong in our society now. Seriously, seriously wrong. And that comes with the fall of a society. As yeah, well. it Things sure like does. Happen. It sure does. All right, I got to finally tell you about ICU and about they will be happy to make your home a safe home uh, from anybody trying to break in. Look, I know. You've been hearing the stories. You know the news. Eleven shootings in Little Rock over the weekend. Uh, You need protection at your home or at your business. And that is exactly what ICU can do. Not trying to scare you. Just saying the, the bottom line hard fact is people have gone nuts in this city. And they're shooting people. And uh, they're breaking into people's homes and things of that nature. And I'm, I'm, I watched a little bit of the uh, the news uh, yesterday, the news uh, uh, presser that they had, and listening to the, I think it was the state police talking and, and running down the timeline of all the shootings. Eleven shootings, three deaths, 26 hours. Incredible. Incred- are we trying to tie Chicago? Mayor Scott, are you trying to tie Chicago? Is that what you're trying to do? You gonna call us Little Chicago or something? Just wondering. Uh, door and window sensors uh, get motion detection. Get doorbell cameras, outdoor cameras, indoor cameras. Get it all. Just talk to Billy Mack about it. He'll help you. Uh, you know, take care of your house. Make sure that uh, you're you're safe in it. And uh, if you got a business in areas that there's a lot of crime and it's spreading. It's spreading all over the place. Uh, he'll help you with that as well. All you have to do is call him, 501-205-1333. That's 501-205-1333. Now, Billy Mack and his crew, same crew takes care of Nuke One. They make sure that stays uh, secure. So if they can secure that, they can secure your home or your, your small business and make sure that uh, you don't have to worry about uh, these bad people that are out there. And you pay for the service, 
But all the hardware is uh, absolutely free. You don't pay anything for those cameras, the sensors, or anything like that. Talk to Billy Mack about it uh, and get it for your home. I did it. I talked to him. I've got it on my house. ICU uh, protection, again, 501-205-1333. All right, so, Simone, uh, when you got more grandkids, uh, you can uh, send them over to Boston Children's Hospital. <laughs> I don't have any yet, but I'll tell you what, I will be protecting them from Boston Children's Hospital. And that's a good idea. That's yes. a good idea. And protecting them from these kind of crazy parents. Right. I mean, seriously, crazy parents. That, that's a crazy parent that would want to have your underage child, a child that even can't even give consent to have a hysterectomy. A gen- child let abuse. Me, well, let me say it the way they do. A gender-affirming. And that they're so proud of it. Yeah, they are. This doctor is. I mean, she's uh, you know she's up there with this uh, video on YouTube, and then they're all uh, dancing uh, there in the in the in the corridors, calling themselves the first pediatric trans surgery center. Something tells me that's going to come to bite back to bite them in the yeah. butt. Yeah. Big time. Hopefully Already getting backlash about it, yeah. and rightly so. All right. Done for the first hour. Wow, it went fast today. It did. Went fast. Bible guys are coming up. Got a lot of questions for them uh, today. Billy's going to have a couple of questions. Remember he talked about AI last week? Somebody's asking, is it possible that some of these AIs that he was talking about, are they going to look like human beings? They already do. Been watching Watch the World? Yeah. Yeah. Just saying, they're dealing with this. I I always tell you, culture is upstream from politics. If you watch the West World, that question is not out of the question. I'm just making it uh, serious for you today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more with the Bible Guys next here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. on the Dave Ellswick Show where we're the only station that I know of that's talking about a hospital that caused themselves the first pediatric transurgery center. And that's Boston Boston Children's Hospital. Incredible. I wonder if, um, I wonder if they've changed their front doors to look like gates because that surely is the gates of hell. I, I agree with you. I, I, this just blew my mind when I saw the story and uh, there's all there's all kinds of uh, uh, books that are being read uh, written about this. Abigail Shear, who wrote uh, "Irreversible Damage: The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Youth," uh, you've got uh, 
a guy by, uh, I'm trying to think what his name, Hibbs, I think it is, uh, talking about his book, Get Out Now. And, uh, you know, if you're a parent, what is wrong with your mind that you would think that you would allow your child, your little girl, to have a hysterectomy at an age where she can't make that decision, but you're going to make it for her? Yeah. There is something there, wrong. There's no words for that. There is know. something wrong in your head. I'm, I'm sorry. Yep. I know I'm going to get bad emails and stuff, but I think you're absolutely nuts. Yep. I really do. You, you need, you're the one who needs the help, not your child. Yeah. We have a, um, someone in our um, – well, I'll say it this way. Um, uh, I, know, I know someone who um, works uh, at, um, at one of the uh, – at the, at the Baptist Hospital here. All right. And, um, and um, so uh, the Baptist Hospital now is um, uh, affirming that there are 27 genders. And, of course, this is all being done because if you – uh, if you want government money, you've got to toe the government line. Okay, the so gov- that, they're, the they're saying this because if you don't, we won't give you food to feed the kids. That's what they're doing to school. So the government has to, so they have to toe this 27 gender line. And this is the, quote, Baptist hospital. Yeah. Yeah. They forgot, they've forgotten their history. Yeah. You've forgotten your history. Go back and see who developed your uh, hospital. Mm-hmm. Same thing with St. Vincent's and everybody else. All right. Billy, the first question comes to you. First question is I want to get right into got. this because I, I, when I saw it, I said, man, somebody was really listening. <laughs> says, uh, Billy, he really blew my mind last week. I'd really like to hear if he thinks it might be possible that an AI that looks like a human could be built, and then that that AI with superhuman intellect and strength might then be inhabited by an evil spirit and become the Antichrist. If not, could something like an AI be used by the demonic? Thanks. Um, I, I think that you know people are hearing that right now and going, Ellswick, who's listening to your uh, <laughs> listen? There's there's some reality to this. Yeah. Let me mm-hmm. let me take you back a few years here right now. The big story was the reality of sex dolls. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. They had they had gotten to the point where they they didn't feel like you were touching rubber or anything like that. They had actually felt like skin. They didn't smell like rubber. They smelled like young ladies evidently. I don't. I haven't. I haven't been with a sex doll. All right. I'm just saying. I'm just assuming through the stories, and uh, they worked on the eyes and everything so that you could have a relation with yep. a doll. And I think the um, I think the first wedding between a man and a um, partner, a synthetic partner, um, was done a year and a half ago at this point. Wow. Think about that. Um, and in Japan, unfortunately in Japan, that is, the way. Um, is a trend. It is very trendy right now um, to, for your partner to be a synthetic partner. Um, I don't know why. Um, evil. I mean, that's yeah. the short answer. Well, they've, been, they've but, been on the cusp of all of this stuff with AI. They've yeah. been working with it. And it's, uh, it's unfortunately just exacerbating um, the problem that they're, they're in the middle of a um, – 
population bomb as well. They're mm-hmm. in the middle of a – the majority of their population is now significantly old, uh, old enough that they are going to absolutely have a reduction in population uh, over the next 30 or 40 years. Um, China is the same way. India is the same way. Um, there are lots of big nations out there. I think it's part of what drives to where we are in history right now. Some of the really important countries who are going to play a role in end-time events – if they don't do them in the next 30 or 40 years, they're going to fall completely off of the um, the world stage because they're going to collapse internally because of a lack of population. So there are lots of things driving us towards this um, set of events. Go figure, when, when God marks something on the calendar, you get there, whether you like it or not. So, uh, so to come so back the, to uh-huh. – So the Japanese population, the, the older ones, they're, they're beyond child, childbearing age. Is Correct. that what you mean by Correct. that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they're Abraham and Sarah. Right, yeah. Um, 30, I think, I think uh, if I remember the statistic correctly, 38% are over the age of 55 at this point. Um, right. And the younger generation is not having children. Um, so the traditionally we, we think of the um, population pyramid as looking like a pyramid with the smallest percentage at the top being the oldest. And that makes perfect sense. Uh, they're they're turning Japan, it on its head now. Right. In Japan, it, it looks much more like an inverted pyramid with the, the youngest segment of the population, that 18 and under, um, is one of the smallest segments of their population. Right. So. Address something for it, Billy, because I was talking to Simone about it in the last hour. Uh-huh. And uh, we were talking about this whole thing about synthetics, okay? Yep, yep. And... Uh, I said I, I hope everybody watched uh, Westworld because they got deeply, deeply into the whole discussion about synthetics and, yeah. and, and how synthetics are nothing more than a reflection of man, which if you go biblically, that means that we played God yeah. and our our creation was a reflection of us. All right? And and, and I, th- I found it very interesting some of the things that they were pointing out within within the, the, the science fiction. I love science fiction yeah. because yeah. it's really going to be science fact. But uh, I said think about it for a moment. Why do so many men want to have synthetic girlfriends? And she just kind of looked at me. She says, what do you think? And I said, I think they played games, and they're hooked up to their videos all the time, that they don't talk to real people, a lot of them, and they don't know how to deal with a real person. Mm-hmm. And so they'd much rather have a synthetic. Well, and there's, there's another side to that coin. And the other side of that coin is that for the last 50 or 60 years, the world has sold the women of the world a bill of goods that is false. Oh, and they've been emasculating men. And as a result, there's this this whole movement out there um, called Red Pill. I I don't know. I guess it's a a reference back to the The Matrix. Matrix, yeah. But it's it's men who have looked around and decided um, getting anywhere near a woman is just not worth it, particularly in America, where a woman for any reason at any time, once you've married her, can just decide to take half your stuff and go away. Oh, yeah. And they're not... Um, there is a huge movement amongst younger men to just never marry. We're never going to marry. And as a matter of fact, uh, if we're dating, it's only for, shall we say, the fun aspects. Yeah, um, the sex. And um, so you, you have this population of men who are looking around and going, um, it's not worth it. You've got women who want 
expect who have expectations for men that are unrealistic, and as a result. Um, it makes it real easy to go, is there an alternative out there? Um, I, I think that's part of what has driven uh, homosexuality in this country. Um, you know, it, at least for, for guys, the, the guys they're hooking up with at least think like they do, right? Uh, and they're not after half their stuff and that sort of thing. They don't have those same sorts of fears. Um, I, I know I've, I've got, unfortunately, I've got some female friends who are lesbians, and I want to have conversations with them. It's the same sort of thing. Well, a guy can't give me the things that I want. And they're not talking about the sexual experience. They're talking about the emotional and mental experience. And it's like, well, yeah, because we've both, or both men and women, have been sold a bill of goods over the last 50 or 60 years. And none, nobody knows how to handle relationships properly anymore, mm-hmm. uh, even in, quote, healthy relationships these days, in quotes. When, I, when I'm talking to people, um, you you find things that 50 or 60 years ago would simply have not existed. You find these these um, this pushing and pulling within relationships. It's like, well, that's because your your relationship's upside down, right? Yeah. Um, you're you're living in a way that was never intended. You're not living in the proper authority uh, as intended by God. God, husband, wife, children, um, and that dynamic, particularly in modern society, when you go look at it, a lot of times. The God being at the top is questionable, and within a home, a lot of times it's a it's a mom first and then dad, and part of that comes from the TV society, which has taught us that all dads are idiots, right? So you got mom and then dad, and and who knows whether or not the kids are under any authority? Yeah, so just, you end up with just this think weird for a dynamic. moment. We went from father knows best, right, to married with children. Yep. All right. I mean, just think about. What do I always say? I just mentioned it in the last hour. Culture is upstream from yeah. politics. And when I mean politics, I'm, I'm talking about real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so as a result, we've got this whole generation um, that is confused and doesn't know. Um, you know, even my own kids. Uh, my kids are 15, uh, 19, and 20, about to be 20 and 21. Um, and when I talk to my two oldest kids, they're like, Dad, it's it's weird out there. You know, it, it's even in, I mean, my, I raise my kids in a very conservative Pentecostal environment. And even they will go, it's still weird out there, even within that environment, uh, much less stepping out into these other environments. So it's, it's ch- and I think it's part of, it's just part of the plan, right? It's just part of Satan's plan for the world. If he can keep us all confused, then he can keep us fighting. And if he can keep us fighting, he can keep us from focusing on the proper things. He can keep us from looking up. He can keep us looking at each other instead of looking up. Um, and that is, un- unfortunately, it's, it's not unexpected, I suppose, at this point. Yeah, he's been doing it for several thousand years now (laughs) he's he's that's one man that knows his game plan and he sticks to it go figure go figure you know he knows it works uh, to to bring that conversation full full circle so um most people probably won't know but the the internet was originally designed uh as a part of the defense network um, so that we could communicate across the country regardless of even if even if we were struck by nuclear weapons we would still have military communications across the country not al gore not al Al gore didn't do that um uh, but what truly brought the internet out of um the defense uh, department and into mainstream was sex it was pornography the thing that is truly driving a significant portion of 
uh, AI right now and androids and that sort of thing is once again sex, just like it was then. Um, th- this we're, we're seeing a lot of innovation around um, synthetic bots um, because of the sex industry, just like we saw the the internet really take off because of the sex industry. So it's there's nothing new. Satan has never his plans never changed, and his um, the way he handles things has never changed. Uh, he lies. Um, he convinces us that evil is good and then convinces us to embrace it. So. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk further about this. But let's talk a little further when we get back about where we are in AI and how far are we from a sentient being made by man, where man's playing God. That's what it all comes down to. About 20 minutes after 7, stay with us. We've got more here on The Bible Guys on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Uh, Billy gets the first question. Uh, first of all, Billy, do you, how far are we away, do you think, uh, from having the AI that – did you watch any of the new edition of Westworld? Uh, I watched the first episode and then realized there was going to be so much nudity in it that I could not, not watch that, that episode. So no, is it not? You, about the third, the third season, they got away from that. Yeah, and gotcha. then, then they got into – talking about all the philosophical concepts. Yeah. So maybe things. I'll start at season oh, it's a, three. It's a series? Yeah. I thought it was a yeah. movie. No, it, no. Well, it was no. a movie. Oh, was it? Was it? All right. Creighton, Creighton, who did Jurassic Park and all those movies, uh-huh. wrote a movie script called Westworld, and right. they made it into a movie, and that's how his career started, basically. Gotcha. But wasn't gotcha. there a... Yeah, there was a Westworld back, was it the 70s? Yeah. Or the 80s? Okay, is that yeah, what you're talking Yul about? Brenner, yeah, Yul yeah, yeah. Brenner, right. Richard Benjamin. Yeah. Uh, those are the people that were in it. Paula Prentice, I think, was in it as well. But uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the la- this last season, the, the synthetics are taking over. Gotcha. They're, they're getting rid of the humans now. And uh, there's one character in the, in the series, her name is Dolores, and she's like... The, the synthetic that's leading the charge on all of this. Gotcha. She's gotcha. she's the awakened, uh, you know, uh, synthetic. So, uh, but they've been talking about it for quite some time now. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of movies that that talk about. I forget what the movie was that had Bruce Willis in it just a couple of years ago. That everybody lived their life through a a um, AI entity. They they could down you could download your consciousness hmm. into whomever you want it mm-hmm. to be, and of course there was there was uh, what was it called uh, real carbon or whatever that, that oh show yeah was. Um, somethingized carbon yeah um, it was really good it, that yeah. was another one that was was really good where they they could encapsulate your your being so to speak yeah into. Uh, I don't know. I guess you could say into like um, some kind of AI. Yeah, it was stored in the less. And if when that was destroyed, now you were destroyed. Right. right. But they could insert it into any kind of an AI being, and you would be thinking you're you, but you look in the mirror and you look like something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. There was. Um Altered carbon. Uh, Altered carbon, yep. Um, So essentially your consciousness essentially existed in a little chip that could be placed in the back of your neck. So you could just pull that consciousness out and stick it in the back of a different neck. So um, how far, how how close do I think we are, how far away? Um, The earliest estimates that, uh, and I think they're a bit aggressive, but the earliest estimates right now are 2030. 
Um, the most distant estimates that I am That's aware seven of. seven years. That is seven yeah. years away. Uh, the most distant ele- uh, estimates that I'm aware of right now <clears throat> are 2060. Uh, but I will say that is for a fully realized, super intelligent, general AI. And, and I have those are... Those are three distinct things. Yeah, they are. Um, before we get to a general AI, we will have um, purpose-built AIs that I think are better – well, that we already have some purpose-built AIs that are better than any human can do what they do. Yeah, they look um, like Rosie the Riveter – Rosie from the Jetsons. So. Yeah, so we – well, we've <laughs> got – for instance, we've got artificial intelligences right now um, that outperform doctors in identifying cancer early – um, three to one, they are they are just that much more efficient um, at, at identifying early stage cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, why wouldn't you want an AI to look at your potential cancer then? Um, and we, there are lots of those sorts of things. Um, you know, we we hear about the big ones, right? Where the AI car runs over the AI robot, ha 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 ha. But that doesn't talk about the hundred million transactions that happen in the background that were flawless, right? So. Um, there is there's already a significant pool out there. Um, do I think that we'll end up with a generalized AI that becomes the Antichrist? No, I, I, I think that the AIs that are being created, um, understand your life is already being run by an AI anyway. Um, you're walking around with an AI in your pocket. Um, you're walking around. Alexa. Yeah, or, or your phone, you know. I mean, how many of us have had the experience where you're having a real-life conversation with someone about something you haven't talked about before, and the next day uh, product recommendations show up on Amazon yep. related to the conversation you were happening, uh, having? It, it's, happened, it's happened to almost everybody at this point. And if it hasn't happened to you, um, that probably means you're really careful with where you keep your phone because otherwise it's going to happen to it's you. It's listening so, to you. Um, it's it, there's there's already an AI out there that's listening to what you're doing, um, is taking a look at your purchase history because it's not gonna it's not gonna recommend products that it knows. Oh, he never buys anything on Amazon over seventy dollars, so I will go for the for the lower end of whatever. You know, it's it's already checking what it is you normally do, listening to your conversations, and then making recommendations that it's fairly convinced you'll actually buy. So your your life is already heavily influenced. I said run by. It's not really run by yet. But your life is already heavily influenced by a whole series uh, of AIs. Um, that is only going to become more and more and more aggressive. And what it's going to do is just push you to one side or the other, right? Oh, look, um, Billy likes to get on the air and talk about the AI that's coming. So we'll push his credit score and his social credit score, this whole idea of a social credit score. Well, we'll we'll make him less relevant somehow. Um, And I think that's the sort of thing. It'll be used as a tool to oppress those who want to talk about truth. Um, And at the same time, building up, and we've already seen um, Facebook influence an election. That's all I'm going to say about that. But we've already seen Facebook influence an election. And if you think they won't continue to do those sorts of things, you're insane. Um, if you if people who have power like that are going to use power like that, period. So um, it, it's do I, do I see a 
Artificial intelligent AI, no. I, I believe that, or a artificial intelligence antichrist, no, uh, I do not. But I do see that being one of those big tools that the antichrist will absolutely use. How else are you going to control the entire world? You're, you're going to have to have, it, that can't be one person sitting at the top. All right. Um, as they have a lot of tools at his disposal. Time for a break, and we'll come back, and uh, Pastor Scott is going to be uh, gone for a couple of weeks. Can I tell him where you're going? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, heading over to Europe. He's going to Italy. Uh, he's going to be preaching over there. We're going to talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Another question comes in. Well, before we go to question, I promised everybody we'd talk about you're going uh, to Italy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, whenever I was living in, uh, uh, in uh, well, I lived in you know, Scotland for 11 years, and um, and then during that time, well, I, you know, I lived in Europe for, gosh, I don't know, I don't know how long. Um, I lived half of my life outside the country, um, but I uh, I would go yearly to uh, to Rome and minister uh, outside of Rome, and um, and so because I've so you know I've so I've been a missionary, you know I've lived outside the country half of my life. My wife has lived out outside the country two thirds of her life. Um, and, wow! Uh, yeah. I didn't know that about your wife. Yeah, she she moved to Brazil when she was seven years old. Her dad was an international uh, businessman, and so it wasn't mis- ministry, but uh, mm-hmm. still, she grew up uh, uh, in Brazil. And so, um, at any rate, um, and I haven't been uh, since I've been pastoring here in Little Rock. I've not been back to uh, uh, to that uh, ministry in uh, Rome, and they've been asking me to come for years, and so. I've got the opportunity now, so I'm headed that way. So you feel like Paul, kind of <laughs> going back to meet, see the people that you you worked with earlier. Well, I guess I guess there's something uh, something like that there. So um, I'm, I'm believe we'll have a good time. I've got a I got a brother-in-law who did a lot of work over in um, over there by Australia. Uh, what what are the New, Zealand? New, Gu- New Guinea? Oh, right by the, uh, those islands and. Uh, you know, he's paying for it now. A lot of a lot of medical problems that he has from being over there, and mm-hmm. all times they have malaria and things oh, yeah. of that nature. But uh, there, I, I talk to him once in a while, and uh, he tells me, yeah, he feels he can feel the draw to go back mm-hmm. and and to to see what has become of the work that he he's done with God over in those areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is there is definitely a draw. There's definitely a draw, and every once in a while, it just kind of wells up in you. I mean, you know, I can I can hear the bagpipes, and just automatically, as yeah. I hear the bagpipes, I feel I feel drawn uh, I feel drawn back. Mm-hmm. You know? right. And of course, we you know we lived in uh, we lived in in Sweden, and I planted a church in Sweden. We lived in uh, Finland, and we lived in uh, Norway, Switzerland. Iceland. Let me ask this question: Why why is it that uh, non denominational churches? Mm-hmm. Seem to do so well in the uh, the Far East, over in Korea, uh, Philippines, Okinawa, mm. Japan, but haven't penetrated that way into Europe. Is it because Europe feels like they've been there, done that? Well, I think Christianity has a very long history in Europe, and that history is typically expressed through established uh, religious organizations denominations whereas in uh, the uh, the far east um, christianity was um, well although we do know that, that the gospel did get there but as far mm-hmm. as an actually established uh, a denominational religious structure it was uh, much later in in coming and so they're more open to to uh, churches as a new idea as opposed to 
more of an ancient idea like in Europe. I mean, in South Korea, there's some huge, well, huge. South Korea has the largest church in the world. It's in the um, world, yeah. It's um, um, over it's a million or more people. Yeah, we're not no, we're not talking about moon here, okay? No, this, we're talking uh, real Christian this, churches. This is a, a man named uh, David Young. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who's the pastor over there? Yep. And he has like I think ten thousand associate pastors, something like yep. that. It's just, That's really incredible. Uh, it is. It's incredible. They have this thing called uh, Prayer Mountain, and they actually have a mountain there in Seoul, and they've actually, um, I don't know if they've, what they, they've built basically little cubicles inside the mountain, and people basically crawl into them and they have times of prayer, uh, and. Um, and people say people who've been there say it's just an incredible experience. I've I've never been myself, but uh, they said that's just an amazing place to go where people pray twenty four hours a day uh, in little cubicles inside this uh, mountain. Okay, yeah. so you're heading back to, you know, for Protestants, uh, if you go back in history, is like Satan's lair, uh, the Roman Catholic Church. So what uh, you know, what are you hoping? to accomplish is there something that you hope to accomplish when you go over there i know you want to preach the gospel i understand that yeah and that's well um that obviously that's my primary function but i want to go over there and to be uh an a help to the congregation um italy maybe you may, may not may this may know this or not but they during the covid it was one of the most severely locked down places um in in the in the in the world. On the continent, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, this family I'm going to be with, they weren't even allowed to like leave their village they were in, and if they did leave their house, it could only be one person at a time. And oh wow! You, and you could only go, and you had to have a certain a certain pass just to go and buy groceries, and it was just it was just extreme, and so they're recovering from that. Like a lot of places are recovering, but uh, Europe was. Work a lot more locked down than what uh, America was. So I, I wrote the pastor. I said, "Listen, I said I'm coming over there to serve you and to serve your congregation. What do you need me to provide to help you uh, be what you what you need?" So I'm going over there to serve. All right. Yeah. So when you get back, you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, Ten days. Yeah. Okay. Well, so it'd be a couple couple of weeks of the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. And so the the third week when you come back, which would be in September, then we'll tell the story. Yeah, we got to hear we got to hear okay. all of your uh, testimonies about what happens over there. I'll bring it. I want to hear it. I just definitely want to hear it. All right. So here's our next question. Wondering if the guys could tell us what they think about global warming. We're really in the culture today, yeah. all right? Uh, it's getting really hot out here, and uh, in fact, all over the world. So I was wondering if they think there is any merit to the theory at all. Also, with all the talk of the globe, could this be the beginning of the worship of nature, uh, kind of like the old ancient idol worship, trees, rocks, etc.? I'll answer the end of it. Absolutely. That never stopped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still going on, you know. Yeah, as far as the um, the other the other thing goes, um, if you're gonna if you're gonna say um, <laughs> there's been so much pivoting on this particular thing. First, it was global warming. Then, when the actual satellite data showed there has been no warming in the past ten years, they shift they pivoted to call it uh, climate change. Started uh, off with with uh, global, global cooling. cooling. In the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I yeah. was taught it in high school. It's yep. it's it's, it's knee jerk science. Uh, you know, if you if you want to, you can just look at a list of failed um, 
climate uh, prophecies by pseudoscientists and false prophets who said things such as the Arctic. Will, I, mean, I think it was Gore who said the Arctic will be ice free by oh, yeah. the year two thousand or yeah. whatever. And so there's so many failed things, uh, and then whenever that fails, they just re up it and you double yeah. down and then do an it, inconvenient and do it again. truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I. Um, um, one thing that a lot of people don't know is that uh, you know back during the Roman period, um, the Roman period they were um, they had vine- when Romans Romans occupied uh, Great Britain, uh, they were they had vineyards in northern uh, northern England. Um, Greenland was uh, ice free. That's correct. Uh, That's why they, they had, called it Greenland. They had farming. Uh, they went on there. They the they would traverse the. There was no problem getting through the uh, the Arctic. There was no ice uh, in the way. Uh, it was significantly warmer in the past than in the than in the present. So what we have is we have a cyclical cycle of the Earth warming and cooling, yep. and that's just the way that it works. And primarily that happens by surprise, surprise, the sun. Uh, it's our world's heating system. It heats yep. up primarily the oceans. The oceans, oceans then carry that heat around the world. I mean, like I said, I lived in Scotland for, for 11 years. Many people might be surprised that in the northern part of Scotland, not in the southern part, uh-huh. but in the northern part of Scotland, on the west coast, palm trees grow. Yeah. Because the the current. Uh, the current of warm water comes up and it drops, it moves past the northern part of Scotland where it doesn't grow southern, south Scotland, but it grows up there because the water's bringing it. And that happens because, one, the sun is heating the waters, and two, you have geothermal activity underneath the waters that are heating it. So it, it's just a cycle of the planet. It's, it's not – and, yeah, it is hot out there right now, but guess what? It's not hot everywhere. Right now we have record um, ice buildup in the Arctic right now. It's not right. hot there. And um, – and guess what? In a couple of days, it'll be cool. Right now, it's uh, it's very cool. I was just speaking uh, to Heidi, who was in Scotland a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was the highs were tw- between the uh, low sixties and mid seventies. Yeah, it's not hot everywhere. Right. We have a tendency of think called shout, shouting global warming when it's hot here in Arkansas. But if you look up in Canada, or you look at the Northeast, or you look at the Northwest, it's not. You go to not, Australia. It's, it's not. not it's, it's not hot not. in Australia yeah. right now. Yeah. So so no, I I I'm not a. I'm not a believer in that. And also, I wouldn't say this one last thing. I did this in front of my church because it was there was a big global warming thing that was going on at this point. So I I was talking to my church and I was talking about just wanting to believe something. I said people continue to believe in global warming because they want to believe it, not right. because it's scientifically right. proven. And so I took a, a a big bowl and set it on a, on a stand beside my pulpit and I filled it up with water as high as I could get it, and then I put a whole bunch of ice in it. To where it got up right to the the lip, and I said, "Now, asked my people, I said, now what's going to happen when all that ice melts?'" And they said, "Well, it's going to overflow." I said, "Right, we're told that when the glaciers all melt, icebergs all melt, it's going to cause the sea to rise, right?" And they all said, "Yes." I said, "Okay, I want you to keep an eye on this." And then I preached my whole sermon at the end of my sermon. I I went back, and all the ice was melted. But the water didn't overflow. And I said, why is this? I said, because when ice is in the water, it's already displaced the water. So whether it's frozen or liquid, the displacement is the same. You can melt every glacier that's floating in the sea. It's going to make no difference whatsoever. But people hear something over and over and over again, and they eventually believe it's true. Isn't that what the SS said? You keep telling a lie long enough and loud enough, eventually people believe believe it's true. Tell a lie big enough and long enough, people will believe it. Yep. So, uh, do do I believe in that the that the Earth is currently heating up? 
maybe uh, the science is inconclusive at this point. Do I believe in climate change? Absolutely. Do I believe it is man-made? And there's the real crux of the matter. Do I believe it's man-made? Absolutely not. Um, and I know that that immediately gets me flagged as a as a climate denier. But when the scientists can tell us that the volcano that exploded here recently produced oh that was great produced more CO two in the first hour of its explosion than mankind has in our entire history. Then I go, well, we're off the hook. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, if if nature is doing in minutes and hours more than we've done in our entire history, I can't change much. Did you guys see the video of that? Mm-mm. Oh my goodness, yeah, that was incredible. Where was that impressive? I forget where it was in um, the world, but. Man, it looked like the biggest atomic explosion yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah, uh, it's it was it, it was underwater, um, but it was the the shock waves um, when when the water actually rose up and dropped there in the ocean around that, and then of course it hit all the coastal uh, mm-hmm. regions too. So tsunami. It was uh, yeah, it was an impressive explosion. Um, which I, I think I've I've read somewhere in a book about um, that sort of thing happening a lot as we near the end of the age. So you know, I'm just saying. I'm yeah, just saying. one of the biggest volcanic eruptions ever was not Mount Vesuvius, Pompeii. That's not it. it was Krakatoa east of yep. Java? Yep, that was the one that really was the big one. They they felt that on the other side of, of the, the world. world. Yep. Well, there was a, um, and I've, I'm drawing a blank on exactly the year. I think it was like in uh, 1860, maybe 1890. Uh, I forget what it is. Um, but it was called the year without a summer. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. was a volcanic eruption so that went off. There was so much the- ash in the sky that actually here in America that we um, we had winter. Yeah. Um, had a little mini tw- famine as well. As a result. Months. So, yeah. yeah. So, so actually, if you're looking at famine and disease, Warmer is better. Yes. Yeah. So you would. I could tell you that. You That's wa- why I like to go to Florida. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and when we talk about when we talk about human life, um, many, many, many more people die when it's cold due to cold exposure than heat exposure. Matter of fact, um, food grows much better in a higher CO2 environment, which is also going to be warmer. So when we talk about the health of humanity, a a world that is slightly higher in CO2 is actually better. It warms us up, which means we don't freeze to death, and we produce more food that way. Um, I'm sorry. Go look at the tropics. Far more food in the tropics than oh, there yeah. is here. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll finish it up. We've got one more question, and it's about the end times. feels like the United States and the world are turning evil and imploding at a fast rate. Where are we on the timeline? We'll guess at that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Got seven minutes remaining. Where at on the timeline do you believe we are at in the end times? It feels like the United States and world are turning evil and imploding at a fast rate. Right. Um, well, I think uh, the timeline is a hard, hard thing to uh, pinpoint exactly. However, I will say this. Um, we're closer to the end now than we were yesterday, uh, and uh, and before Christ uh, very, went back to heaven, safe. Yeah. yeah. But honestly, um, uh, I appreciate the questioner's question because you know this is a question that's on a lot of people's uh, minds nowadays. Yeah. But I would say this: whenever you're trying to ascertain where we're at on the timeline, what we shouldn't do is look at America or the world. Right. If you we want to look at a timeline, you always look at Israel. Yep. Israel has always been. The um, the the timepiece 
of it's, God. It's the cuckoo clock. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and things are not great in Israel. I mean, nope. you know, so, um, you know, uh, there's incredible, uh, you know, immorality. It's a very secular society. We can, we can look at a lot of the ills of Israel, and that's what we should do. Yeah. So in looking at what the timepiece is, um, we should always be looking at Israel, looking at what they're, uh, where they're at, how the gospel is moving in Israel, um, what spiritual life is like there, cultural life, et cetera. Okay, so let me ask this question of you. So what books would people read? about uh, end times that specifically uses Israel as our example? Blank look. I don't know. Well, let's start with the Bible. That, that's a pretty big <laughs> well, one. I understand. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there, the truth of the matter is there are, I don't know of a lot uh, of books out there right now that focus on Israel. Um, is that and, where the Jonathan Cain comes in? Con, Con uh, is focused um at least in the two Harbinger books, he's focused on America, what happened uh, in America over the last, well, really since our founding. Okay. But he uses um, Israel as a, as a template. He does. For that. He does. And uses the Old Testament to define that template, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. Um, I, I've enjoyed the, the two books that, um, that I own of his, maybe three books I own of his. Um, but I think the, the, the problem with the question you just asked is that – the preachers of the last 2,000 years, um, post-70 A.D., ran into a problem, and that was um, they wanted to preach the imminency of Christ's return, and yet there was no Israel for Christ to return to. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they created some doctrinal things that eliminated the necessity of Israel. That's a good point. So as a result, you've now got 1,900 years' worth of teaching that has nothing to do with Israel— when we talk about God's return. So I don't know if there are a lot of books out there. Um, We spend a lot of time teaching that sort of thing Mm -hmm. because we believe in that, but the vast majority of the Christian world does not. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, if if you ask someone typically what time is it, they either look at their wrist or they pick up their phone. um, And up until 1948... If Israel is the timepiece, up right. until 1948, if you ask someone what time it is, there was nothing to look at. Right. There was right. no clock to look there at. Because there was no Israel. there was no Israel. So we've only been able to look at a timepiece since 1948. Yeah. And that's where we have to we have to put our focus to determine what uh, what time we're actually um, we're actually in, and um, and we we are certainly marching towards the end. If, if we can't see if we can't you know if we can't see the uh, the end from here, we're, we're, we're very close. But, of course, you know, every generation has lived with that hope uh, of the return of uh, uh, Messiah. But I think that what we do see happening um, is in, um, in Israel today, I think it is telling us that we're, we're not too far. I, mean, I, think, uh, I think Steve plays around with the number. He thinks it's, it's going to happen by. And he and I actually agree pretty closely on that number. Within, is that within... you feel comfortable sharing or is that – around about uh, so um, I'll walk you there how's okay, that okay. instead of giving you a specific number I'll right. walk you there yeah uh, two minutes I, I believe that <laughs> I believe that God is very accurate in his timing and I believe that scripture indicates that a, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day and I believe that Messiah returned to heaven now I know we go oh, I was 33 and therefore we start at zero and we get to the year 33 AD I, I don't the, the math doesn't actually yeah, align BC, there yeah. right it, he either he either ascended uh, in 29 or 30 AD and if there are two biblical days between his departure and his return you figure the number out 
How's that? Okay. He walked you there, so do the math yourself. <laughs> I, now, I, I'm, it's not like I'm selling all of my possessions in, in the next four or five well, years. Well, no it's man knows the day or the right? hour, so right. we always so, keep our faith and trust. Uh, and there are some and things, like had I not shortened the days, um, there, so there are, there are lots of monkey wrenches to be thrown into that calculation. Uh, I'm, I'm not preaching, teaching, et cetera, et cetera, 2930, uh, but I sure will be excited when we start getting real close to those dates. Amen. So. All right. There you got it. All right. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. And we'll be ready to hear about all the exciting things that's going to happen over there. I think there's going to be major things happen. Billy, I look forward to seeing you. Maybe we'll get another AI question. Yes, sir. I'm always up for tech questions. I'm just telling you, watch science fiction. It becomes science fact. You're not wrong. It's a a true. I mean, watch uh, Galica. That, That is a great movie as well, where everybody is born by a test tube, and the people who are born naturally are looked down upon. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great, great motion picture. I'll take a break, and then I'll be back at 9 o'clock. We're going to deal with uh, uh, what's going on about Manchin and Schumer's bill and uh, how is the economy affecting uh, minority businesses. We'll get to that as well. Coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show at 9 o'clock. Let's get into the final hour of a uh, Tuesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. First of all, I, I don't want to go uh, any further into the show without remembering that it has been one year as of today for the Afghanistan withdrawal. That was a debacle a year ago for us who remember uh, Vietnam and we thought the Saigon uh, evacuation was bad. What went down in Afghanistan was absolutely uh, terrible. In fact, uh, Congressman Michael McCall of Texas and Congressman Adam Schiff of uh, California both expressed dissatisfaction with the unfolding of the chaotic military withdrawal from Afghanistan. They talked about that over the weekend on the Talking Head shows, and uh, that happened uh, now a year ago. That led to the death of 13 U.S. service members. The uh, bipartisan pair of congressmen reflected on the approaching one-year anniversary. It's not approaching anymore. It's here. Uh, Both of them on appearances on uh, Face the Nation saying, quote, the Biden administration should have handled things differently. You think? I would think that that's probably a good thing. You know, that did a lot of harm to our our nation. A lot of people uh, haven't given much thought to it since it happened. But if any if a balloon goes up anywhere in the world, we're always looked at to to be involved in it and involved in. For instance, is there any military action that is going to be necessary? Um, you know, it, you know, what is the United States of America going to do? 
and uh, we we make our decisions uh, on our own best interests plus the interests of our allies. Well, what happens when you go and talk to your allies and say, hey, we've got a problem in this part of the world, and uh, we want to know what uh, you'll do with us uh, to take care of that situation. And, you know, other leaders of the free world or other countries, maybe they're not leaders of the free world, look at us and then think, Oh, okay, sure. And, and is it going to end up like Afghanistan? You tell us you're going to do this. You tell us you're going to do that. And then in the end, you don't you don't do either. And now we're sitting there, you know, on the clothesline, uh, facing uh, things that we didn't want to face. I mean, that's that's important to keep in mind. Uh, Fox News reporting RNC research approaching. Uh, all of this, uh, Adam Schiff conceded that Biden completely botched the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. The Washington Examiner, President Joe Biden has been accused in a report by House Republicans of knowingly misleading the country about the justification for the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan in his April 20. 21 speech and remember he said no, don't don't have to worry about kabul nothing's going to happen there uh things will be cool uh you know the, the country's not going to fall into disarray and uh bottom line that's exactly what happened and uh, we left all those billions of dollars of uh, military equipment behind i mean all of that all of that could have been used by the uh Ukrainians in, in their fight, but uh, no such luck going to be used by the Taliban now uh, over in uh, Afghanistan. So, you know, it was a serious, serious blunder uh, by uh, this uh, president and by his administration, and, and really it's just nothing more than one of many blunders <clears throat> that has happened uh, over in Afghanistan and in other places in the world. I mean, I'm, he's going to have to figure out what to do about Ukraine. I mean, how many more billions of dollars can we pour in over there? And what is it exactly is the end game? Because he's not talked to us about that here in our country. Has, do you know what the president wants is the end game? In uh, Ukraine, does he want Russia out of the Ukraine? Does he want the Russians out of the Ukraine except the port cities? I mean, I I don't know, uh, you know what the uh, what the answer to that is. I I'm not we've not heard from uh, the uh, the president on that, and it's it's uh, concerning that we don't uh, we don't know what it is that. He he wants uh, to do in fact in in those situations, so uh, we're going to have to keep an eye on all of that. And this all, the reason it's being watched so closely, is because of what happened in Afghanistan for the years years after what happened in Vietnam. Uh, the United States, a lot of countries looked at us and said, "Well, wonder if we can trust them to really." go through with what they say uh, they're, they're wanting to go through with. So we'll see how that works out 
We're not going to know that for another several years, to be exact. Let's not forget about PI Roofing. PI Roofing will take care of your roof. Make sure that it uh, is fixed, fixed correctly. They'll work with your insurance company. They'll get up there with their appraiser, um, and uh, you'll walk away only paying for what you absolutely have to pay for. I'll tell you that. And they'll do good work. Uh, if anything fails, if they happen to get a you know, a bad group of shingles or something like that, they'll be replaced and uh, be replaced at no charge to you. And that's exactly what happened with me here just recently. I had the roof put on here just a few months ago. And we had an area in the back of the house that the uh, the shingles went sideways. They were out uh, within two days, and they fixed everything, and it's done 100%. I didn't have to pay another dime, and I'm very happy with the way things went with PI Roofing. So if you're looking for somebody who does the job, who does it right, but if something goes wrong, they'll make it good, and it's not going to come out of your wallet then you need to talk to P.I. Roofing. 501-707-3551 or give them a uh, hit on the uh, website at piroofing.com. Let's get back to it here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We got uh, some elections going on uh, across the United States. One of them is in Wyoming. Uh, that is the one that will determine the, the fate of uh, Liz Cheney. Uh, Liz Cheney back up to uh, get the uh, the nod from Wyoming voters. The vice chair of the House Select uh, Committee investigating January 6th. Cheney faces an effort by Donald Trump to punish her for disloyalty in the form of Harriet Hedgeman, her former staffer and current top rival. Ms. Cheney is uh, deep underwater in the polls and could lose today by more than 20 points by most indications. Uh, you know, she uh, been reading some things she's been saying about, you know, that uh, she'd rather not be a congressman and then not stand up against Trump and, and on and on. Trump has done very well. You know, the number of candidates that he's gotten behind, uh, he he has been at about a 92 percent success rate. And uh, I, I sure wouldn't want to be running against a 92 percent success rate. That'd be uh Really, really, really tough to beat, to say, uh, to say the least. So, uh, you know, I'll be turning into Fox tonight, watching the results and and hearing the uh, the talking heads talk and see what they they have to say about everything that's uh, that's going on. Uh, so, um, we'll have to find out what happens uh, for. Uh, uh, Liz Cheney, I I personally think she's going to be trounced uh, and trounced hard. You know, she voted for uh, Mr. Trump's impeachment and all the rest. And, uh, you know, she's really gotten on the bad side of him. And I think she's going to have a rough time, uh, you know, surviving uh, out in uh, in Wyoming. It will not be easy for her uh, to say the least. So uh, keep that in mind uh, this evening. Now, another place where elections are going out on is in Alaska. And uh, right now, as you got um, 
the legendary former Congressman Dan Young, the longest-serving Republican in House history, passed away back on March 18th. But because the election is being conducted predominantly by mail and ballots don't need to be received uh, until late in uh, this year, it was middle of this year, we won't know which candidates have advanced to the second round until later in the month. We know now uh, that the main candidate that's running for election there is Sarah Palin. And it feels like a lifetime ago, but Palin was one of the most popular governors in the country when she was chosen as uh, former Senator John McCain's running mate back in 2008. But her rising star blinked out. Uh, She came to be seen nationally as unqualified for office. And in 2009, after losing the vice presidency, she unexpectedly resigned the governorship uh, because of, uh, and people believe it was because of an ethics investigation uh, into her, and they were taking a financial and mental toll on her. Uh, over the next several years, there was speculation that she would run for office again, but she never did. But then she ran this year. So we'll be watching that race to see uh, what, uh, what's going on uh, with her uh, in, in this. So you got uh, you got a lot. Al Gross is in there running uh, for that position. Uh, he's raised more than a quarter of a million dollars. And the only other candidate who registered in the double digits in the Alaska Surveys Research Poll uh, Gross is a contender in part because he still has plenty of name recognition left over from his 2020 uh, campaign for U.S. Senate, which could help him attract support from liberal or at least non-conservative Alaskans. Uh, though uh, he is an independent, he ran in 2020 as the Democrat nominee. However, this time around, He's leaving the door open to caucusing with either party if he wins, which has led to a messy breakup with the state's actual Democrats. So we'll be watching that tonight. Should be uh, uh, interesting. Also watching about Mikowski, Senator Mikowski, and, and see, uh, I think there's like 12 people running for uh, this, that Senate seat. So it'll be interesting to see if she can survive uh, this evening. I'll be keeping an eye on that uh, to say that she's not been the most uh, stable Republican is uh, an understatement on my part. Okay. Uh, some other things to look at as far as elections are going. One of the races that are uh, is predominantly uh, uh, being held up by the news cycle has been uh, the whole thing dealing with uh, Raphael Warnock, who is a senator from Georgia. And, uh, you know, it's tough sometimes for incumbents. And for Warnock, it's going to be very tough this year come November. Uh, You know, recently they've been talking about uh, uh, Warnock and that he looked like he was going to have a, a fairly easy time with Herschel Walker. Uh, that has changed. That has definitely uh, changed. Let's take a look at that and talk about it because he is he's being perceived as the weak sister now out on the uh, the campaign trail. 
got some information here that I've been reading from Red State uh, saying that a new poll that came out with the Phillip Academy shows Warnock trending downward from his high of 50 percent in the beginning of July, while Herschel Walker now is continuing to continue trending upward from recent polling. Uh, Warnack is at 43.6% to Walker's 45.2%. Now, uh, Walker had been behind uh, by as much as six and by as small of a margin as three, but he's always been trailing, and now he has uh, slowly nudged his way ahead. Uh, Warnock is leading by 64% among black voters, even though both Warnock and Walker are African-American. I'm sure everybody is uh, aware of that. Uh, And uh, some other interesting things coming out uh, about this that uh, you should be aware of is that uh, Warnock also has strong support among low-income and urban voters, where he leads by 23% and 16% respectfully. Conversely, though, Walker receives most of his support from rural voters, uh, where he's up by 20%, and Georgia's suburban voters, which is a a key voting block uh, that was big in, in pushing Warnock over uh, the top back in uh, uh, 2020, and they favor Walker now by about five and a half percent. And let that be a big red flag uh, for the Warnock campaign. The suburbs helped turn Georgia's two Senate seats blue in 2020, and when those are coupled with a resurgent of the rural vote in Georgia a lot of whom stayed home in the 2020 runoff because why? Uh, Do you remember former President Trump told them to stay home? And they did. That wasn't a smart thing to say. But he did. And now we're going into this election, though, and the president's saying everybody's got to get to the polls. Uh, That could potentially mean that Walker is actually about two to three points higher than where he is polling currently, which could put him up in the 47 percentile uh, as far as over Warnock with 43. So uh, that's going to be one to watch in uh, in November for sure. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, Walker is starting to hit his stride, as is uh, now with this uh, raid that they did on the president is uh, going to help uh, Republicans uh, as well. Democrats have a ceiling in Georgia that is just, uh, you know, exacerbated uh, by the current political climate. That's 43% or so that Warnock and Abrams are picking up is probably the true Democratic voter segment. Okay. Now, Abrams, of course, running again for governor. The uh, true Republican voter segment is likewise in the mid to high 40s. So what does that mean? That means that what independents do will probably decide the race. Warnock cannot distance himself from Biden uh, enough and show that he is for Georgia voters enough to to pick up more independents right now. 
Walker, however, can benefit from the deteriorating position of the Democrats across the country, especially in southern states in a southern state like Georgia, and can pick up more independent voters without having to do a lot more than what he's doing right now. So Warnock won on a very strange fluke in a very strange year. He can't recreate those circumstances. He can win some independents back. There is still plenty of time, by the way, until November. But the national Democratic scene and the economy aren't going to offer him any assistance. So uh, things are turning up and looking up uh, for Herschel Walker. And uh, probably you can consider that's going to be a very, very, very close uh, election come uh, in November. All right, when we get back uh, after the news at the bottom of the hour, uh, Joel Griffith is going to join us, and we're going to talk about the Biden uh, Mansion Inflation Reduction Act. Now, this is something that hasn't been talked about a lot. Uh, That threatens $450 billion in tax increases on small businesses and uh, probably even more inflation. Can't, you can't be throwing all this money into the economy and not know that it's not going to uh, force inflation up more. Um, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm surprised the Democrats are doing this. I understand kind of why. I've been talking a little bit about it, that uh, they know they're going to lose the House at least uh, come in November There is a very good chance that they'll lose the Senate as well. And if that's the case, they want to get their main priorities done. And global warming is one of their main priorities. They, they, as God is my witness, consider it an existential threat. And because they consider it that, they're doing everything they can to pour money into it while they can. So, uh, again... November is going to be an important election, and uh, they may be able to go back and change some of this if the Republicans get a hold of the House and the Senate. But that's for November. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about this Biden Mansion Inflation Reduction Act. But first, we'll get some news in, and we'll do that right now. Lord knows we need the rain. I mean, it is dry as a bone out there. So uh, let's hope that it's not big thunderstorms drop, you know, a ton of rain and then move out. I'd like to see it stay with us most of the day tomorrow and be just at one of those, you know, all through the day kind of rainy rain events and soak in real good. And I know that a lot of my uh, foliage that I've you know, planted around my house will like that, uh, get that. I got some crepe myrtles that I planted earlier in the year. Could use a little bit of rain, although I do have silker hoses, okay? I, I take care of them, but, you know, there's just something about that rain that just makes those plants love that. Hey, don't forget about Pat Davis. Uh, we had Pat on yesterday. You'll want to be checking all that out that we talked about, about how they're different, 
uh, from other insurance uh, companies, how they can help small businesses, and how they can help you uh, save 30 to 50% on your health insurance. What you need to do is call them, talk to them at 501-605-6935, 501-605-6935, or visit them online, yourhealthplanman.com. Uh, All right, want to talk about if this bill that has passed now is going to be signed, I think I saw today that this afternoon President Biden is going to sign this Inflation Reduction Act. And uh, joining us is Joel Griffith. And, and Joel, a lot of people don't know what's in this bill. They don't, you know, the big story has been, of course, uh, the thing about the thousands of IRS agents uh, that they're going to hire. I mean, the the IRS is going to become the biggest government agency we have in America, basically, and uh, about them carrying guns and, and all the rest. But we haven't talked a whole lot about all the money that's being spent on uh, Green New Deal type of, uh, of policies, Solyndra type things. And we haven't talked about what I think is the biggest thing in this, and that is the tax increases on small businesses. You know, they're, they're talking about how they're going to go after the millionaires, the billionaires, and the big, big companies. They're not talking about this uh, small business tax uh, increase of $450 billion. How can you in good conscience do that with uh, the kind of economy that we have right now? Well, with, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Well, the economy we have right now, which is obviously shrinking six months now, it's shrinking economic growth. We've had a historic plunge in productivity growth. New data that came out earlier this week shows that the housing sector has basically been in a decline now for the last eight months. And, of course, the typical family today, if you're immediate typical income earners, you're seeing about $6,500 less per year in terms of real income. And at the very moment that we're in this type of economic fire, to have Congress pass and the president signing the law this bill that basically enacts a big initial chunk of the Green New Deal with all of these green energy subsidies and hiking taxes on coal and new tax on methane emissions, um, to do this at a time when our economy is already suffering and to add insult to injury, to go ahead and stick 87,000 new agents on our middle class and small business owners to shake them down for money to hand over to these green energy companies, uh, this is really an insult to the American family. Well, you know, small businesses are the backbone of America. It's not the big multi-corporations. I mean, they have their place, but small businesses uh, control most of the hiring in this in this nation. And if you cause them all kinds of problems, can you say major recession? Uh, yeah, well, I think for a lot of families, they're already feeling a major recession. Right? The typical family, that kind of that kind of a pay cut. $6,500 per year for a typical family uh, right now because of the Biden inflation, they're already suffering. And this just makes it worse. You know, if you look at the estimates, for instance, from this plan, um, from if you look at past um, audit data from the IRS, you know that most of these audits hit people with less than $75,000 of reported adjustable gross income. And we know as well from testimony from the Congressional Budget Office in the past 
they've estimated that about one in four of these audits are going to go after um, S-Corps. And S-Corps, for those that aren't familiar with it, S-Corps are for, mainly for sole proprietors, tiny businesses, as opposed to these giant C-Corporations. That's who this is going to shake down. And that's why at Heritage we're estimating that a typical family, as a result of these shakedowns, is going to see an impact of about $2,000 plus and additional taxes in a given year. And then on top of that, even if you've been paying your taxes on time, according to the law, if you're chosen for an audit, you can easily end up with $20,000 in CPA bills and lawyers bills. It is a nightmare if you end up audited. And I was doing the numbers the other day, that 87,000 agents that they're hiring, that's about one new agent for every 1,500 households. Think about mm-hmm. that. For every neighborhood out there, they've hired a new agent to go ahead and keep tabs on the community. Yeah, and we're not talking about, uh, in the way it's looking at least, agents that are going to be playing patty cake, they're going to be playing hardball. Oh, that's right. To get this kind of revenue, uh, they're estimating they're going to be able to collect what, another $200 billion plus in taxes by the shakedown. Yeah, it's a big problem. And then there's another component of this bill as well um, that actually would uh, put in place a different minimum tax on corporations, and it's going to really be a deterrent to companies making capital investments, buying new plant, buying new equipment to do manufacturing. Because if you're not paying a minimum percentage of your uh, income in taxes, they're going to go ahead and levy this tax on you. The way it works right now is usually if you're a business and you go ahead and make a big purchase for your company for future production, um, you're able to go ahead and write off a big part of that against the current year income. It's an incentive for companies to actually reinvest in the businesses so they can grow it and hire it. So when you see this new tax on businesses, um, that minimum tax, it's not just going to harm the business owner. That's bad enough, right? The big small business owners work hard to get to where they're at, but it also harms the communities that they work in because now there's going to be fewer dollars available for investment because that money's going to go to Uncle Sam so he can then go ahead and hand it out to these green energy companies. It's incredibly perverse. All right, joining us, Joel Griffith today. We're talking about the mansion uh, Biden uh, bill, this whole Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, a mansion didn't even get what he wanted. That's what is amazing about this. They screwed him over when it came up to the vote. Well, we remember uh, Senator Manchin, uh, a good man, but he is a, a liberal Democrat. Um, I know that he's gotten a lot of credit for supposedly being some centrist, but he has supported nearly all of these major spending initiatives since he's been in the Senate. So the fact that he um, held out in order to go ahead and get some, uh, basically some pork spending for some of his special interest groups that support him, um, yeah, a lot of people are surprised, uh, but I'm, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised in this. He was able to go ahead and curry favor, deliver some goods to a few of his uh, select cronyist supporters, um, and that's going to work out well, possibly, politically. Same thing happened with Senator Sinema from Arizona, uh, one of the other two that people were hoping would actually oppose this big, big package. She was able to go ahead and secure some uh, tax benefit for a few of her um, supporters. Uh, and so she went ahead and came on board with this massive tax and spending bill. It's um, it's sad, uh, but look, this is the way politics is working, and I think it's so important for folks like you to keep the word out there so that we can actually shine the spotlight on this legislation. And obviously, once again, there wasn't much notice on this, and in fact, Congress passed this legislation without even knowing what the final cost estimates are. 
The Congressional Budget Office hasn't e- hadn't even delivered a final estimate as to the cost, and they passed it anyway. Now, let's talk further. i got to get a break in, then we'll come back, Joel, and talk some more. Joel Griffith is our guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joel, if people want to read some of the things that you have to say about the economy or uh, see some of the appearances that you make on other uh, TV uh, you know, network stations, uh, where do they go to? Then go to heritage.org and key in my name or key in any issue area that you're interested in. And all those resources will populate your screen. All right. Need to look at all that. And he's with the Heritage Foundation, which gives him a, a big gold star uh, on my page, to be honest Thank with you. you. All right. We'll be back. We'll talk further with him. I want to remind you about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, what they're uh, going to do for you, what Eric Coleman can do for you. Hey, we're we're in August. In fact, we're in the middle of August. Guess what? That's not too, and I know you're going to hate that I'm going to say this, but we're not that far from Christmas, all right? Christmas is kind of just around the corner. Uh, If you want Eric to turn his talent uh, towards you and maybe make an engagement ring or make a special ring for that special someone for you, you need to talk to him about that now and uh, explain to him what you're looking for and let him design it and let him produce it for you so that it will be ready uh, at the holiday period. Located at 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E here in Little Rock, Eric has got a lot of stuff that's on display. You can buy other designers and get some beautiful uh, jewelry there with those folks. He's got a lot of stuff uh, that is uh, estate jewelry that you can buy, or if you have some jewelry uh, that was passed on to you in a will or whatever, you can have uh, Eric take a look at it. He'll tell you what the price of it should be, and you can sell it to him and make some uh, you know, green, get some, get some lettuce from him, or or he'll give you a little bit more so that you can buy something that is being on display in uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Highest quality jewelry and services that you can ask for. It's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. Give him a call, 501-246-3655. All right, let's get to the uh, final segment of my show today. And uh, we're talking from uh, with Joel Griffith from uh, the Heritage Foundation. Heritage.org is their website. You can find his writings there and a lot of other uh, great writers as well. A lot of good people at Heritage.org. Let's talk about that $15 billion going after uh, corporations, if we can, Joel, because that's money that corporations aren't going to just you know, uh, uh, pay themselves, that's going to be put into the cost of making their widgets, is it not? Uh, well, that, that's correct. When we look at uh, the tax rates on businesses, every dollar that a company has to then pay to Washington, D.C., that's a dollar less that they have available to actually hire more individuals or to buy better equipment or to invest in new technology or to distribute to shareholders in the form of profits. When I mean, a company makes a profit, they can choose to go ahead and grow the business. Sometimes um, they realize that uh, they actually don't have opportunities that are, um, you know, that, that they can put that money to productive use. And so they give the money back to shareholders in the form of a dividend or a stock repurchase. And then the shareholder can decide, do they want to spend that money? Or more typically, the shareholder will go ahead and do their research when they receive a dividend. And you'll go ahead and find somewhere else to invest that money in the economy. 
So when you see the government hiking taxes like they're doing by raising alternative minimum tax on corporations through this package, well, that means ultimately that there's going to be more money in the hands of BC and there's going to be less money reinvested in the economy in productive enterprises. And that's the beauty, right? The beauty of capitalism is that when a company or an investor is able to go ahead and find an opportunity to pursue, it's not just the investor that becomes better off. We all become better off because it seems more services are being provided and more things are being produced. This legislation is the polar opposite of that because it's taking wealth that has been created and instead of allowing that wealth to benefit those that produced it or to be reinvested, it squanders it and spends it. In this case, it's going to squander and spend it on electric vehicles and windmills and turbines. Yeah. Did you see the uh, story that came out today saying uh, Ford and GM are raising the price of their electric cars to uh, suck up that $7,500 in tax uh, deferral that they have in this uh, particular bill? Amazing how that works, right? The middle-class families are going to shoulder the burden of these tax audits as our small business owners, and it directly benefits. It's a shakedown from our pockets directly into the pockets of the Teslas and Rivians of the world. Yep, that's exactly what's going to happen. Final question for you. I've got a thought going on in my head that I've been talking about on the air. I believe that the, the Democrats know they're going to lose the House hugely and probably lose the Senate. Not as big, but they're going to lose the Senate because more and more as I watch what's happening in the economy, the more I believe the American people are going to repudiate this. Do you believe that that's why they're pushing so hard to spend so much money on the Green New Deal? Well, I think that what they're trying to do, um, that's um, probably part of it, but all, and also uh, trying to rally up their base. Um, remember, the, um, the, the, the radical left-wing base has been intense on um, peddling this climate change alarmism. They've been intent on undoing um, our fossil fuel infrastructure and putting those companies out of business. And I think the, uh, the liberals in Congress, they, they know they can't accomplish all of this in one fell swoop, but hey, giving 300, nearly $300 billion away to advance these green energy interests, uh, that goes a long way to energizing their radical base. And uh, the, the irony here is it does nothing, actually, to benefit our environment. Even if even if the climate change models were correct, the most doom and gloom of them, they all show that even if the United States were to eliminate all carbon emissions, it would have a 0.2 degree impact on, on global warming. Virtually yeah. nothing. And, and this package really actually does virtually nothing to eliminate those carbon emissions, even if that were a concern. So they're trying to placate the base. And they're going to go ahead and deliver hundreds of billions of dollars in, yeah, in crony subsidies to favored business interests. And they're hoping that most of us won't know this the shakedown that's going to occur to pay for it. Yeah, I hope people haven't forgotten Obama's presidency in Solyndra. I mean, that's a perfect example and a learning uh, uh, time to understand that what they want to do will not work. Yeah, and, and for those that aren't familiar with it or forgotten about it, Solyndra was one of these green companies that could only survive due to the largesse of the government, and the government underwrote many hundreds, I think it was actually over a billion dollars of loans to this company, and the company went belly up, and taxpayers lost out. But in the meantime, right, some of the shareholders of wondered quite well, and some of the executives did quite well, all mm. on government dime. 
Yeah, you remember those great chandeliers they had in that building? Beautiful, right? Yeah, they were All beautiful. Were by borrowed money from future generations and you the taxpayer. Yeah, that's right. Bought by us. Hey, Joel, thanks so much for being with us today. I I mean, this is already, you know, the president's going to sign it. If we win the House and we win the, the Senate back, can the can the Republicans fight back on this in any way? Well, they can at least refuse to spend more and refuse to engineer more of these proposals. Um, but you know, what we really need are people that understand in Congress, that understand that we are heading off a fiscal cliff long term. And sadly, both Republicans and Democrats seem to, many of them, seem very um, reluctant to actually address that impending financial crisis with um, our entitlement system, for instance. And we know now, I think we've got a taste of what it's like to print our way out of an economic problem. It, you end up with high inflation and slow growth or negative growth. Well, we can look forward to that each and every year in the future if we don't get the long-term spending problems under control. And it's going to take Republicans and Democrats actually trying to work together to resolve this problem. And sadly, there's not much appetite in Washington, D.C. to do so. Yeah, I agree with you. Joel, thanks so much. Heritage.org is where you can find uh, the material that he talks about. That's Joel Griffith from Heritage the Foundation. Good, uh, good segment with Joel Griffith. He had another interview coming up right after this, so he's already gone, man. He, he was out of here, put it that way. But uh, some good information from him about uh, what this whole uh, Biden Mansion Inflation Reduction Act uh, will do. Uh, to uh, the economy here in the United States. All right, I'm done until tomorrow. I'll be back with you at 6 a.m. We have got, uh, we'll talk to hot topics right off the bat, uh, get to the things that are happening in the news first thing in the morning. I'll bring you up to date on that. We'll be talking to uh, Congressman Hill tomorrow. Congressman Westerman will not be with us. He's traveling, so uh, he'll be with us next week, but Representative Hill, Congressman Hill will be with this tomorrow and then in the final hour uh Susie everett's going to be on uh from everett automobile uh, automobiles and we'll talk to her about some things that she's got going on uh helping in the community and then in the final half hour of the show tomorrow we're going to be talking about the 1619 project a project that just lies and lies and lies more about uh, of our country and how it was established and how uh, it's you know all based on slavery and uh, it's it's all fiction it's just all fiction and we'll talk about that in the final half hour of the Dave Ellswick show tomorrow so stick around be back with you at 6 a.m. and we'll get it under way again tomorrow morning have a great afternoon Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.